Welcome to the Boone's Creek Baptist Church podcast. We are a church that exists to spread God's glory from our neighbors to the nations. This is Pastor Tim Wade, and we pray that you will be blessed as we consider God's living, active, and all-sufficient Word together. Amen. It is not lost on me that even as we saying that, that is precisely what we have done this morning. We have sung through the raging storm as we've heard the the rain pelting our roof overhead. We come together to sing in the midst of the storm because in here we're safe and we are able to do so. And in life it is much the same that whatever storms may be going on in our life, whatever tumult may be raging, whatever circumstances may be conspiring against us, we are still able to sing in the midst of that storm because God is our rock and our salvation. And in Him, and in Him alone, we are safe. This morning I'd ask that you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, as we consider this morning really some wonderful promises from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, some wonderful truths that hopefully will stir our hearts to great joy and confidence in the Lord. Because as we look at these verses, we understand that there is a deep longing within every human heart to be satisfied. We want satisfaction. We want contentment. We want joy. We want to live fulfilled, happy lives. And that longing, I think, can explain really almost every single decision we make. It can explain why we eat what we eat, why we buy what we buy, why we marry who we marry, why we go to church where we go to church. We're looking for something. We're looking for for satisfaction. And often we think that the next meal or a new car, or a spouse, or a new church might finally satisfy that longing deep within us. Unfortunately, all these things that we look to, although all of these things that I've mentioned so far are good things, right? these are all good in and of themselves. They are gifts from the Lord. All of these things though they are good and delightful gifts from God, will never completely satisfy us in the way that we're hoping that they will. It's why we often end up disappointed. It's why we're overweight, right? We eat and we eat and we're still not satisfied. It's why we're in debt. We buy and we buy and still we are not satisfied. It's why divorce rates continue to climb because people are looking for something and their spouse that their spouse was never intended to provide. It's why people hop from church to church instead of putting down roots and being faithful to serve within one church family. Because we're expecting these things to provide for us the satisfaction that we are only meant to find in one place. In Christ alone. In God Himself. You see, God has designed us to find our ultimate delight and satisfaction in Him. And we will be restless until we do. This is not even to to mention the, the more base, vile vices that people pursue in order to find satisfaction. 
It's why people will pursue drugs and alcohol and other things looking to satisfy the longing deep within their hearts that God has designed us to find satisfaction in Him for. The good news for us this morning, though, is that not only did God design us to find our ultimate satisfaction in Him, but the good news is He delights to satisfy us. He designed us so that we would find our satisfaction in Him. And then He says, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will give you satisfaction. I will meet your needs and give you the longings of your heart. Here in these verses that we're about to read, Jesus tells us how to experience the satisfaction that we're all looking for. How to get good things. And the remarkable thing about this is, When Jesus tells us how to get good things, He doesn't tell us that we have to climb up to the top of some mountain in Nepal, as many people will do, seeking spiritual enlightenment. We don't have to empty our minds and take substances to have some religious experience. We don't have to sell everything that we have and live as beggars. We don't have to sacrifice cows and goats and chickens. We don't have to lift a finger. All we have to do is ask. Today we will consider these wonderful promises that Jesus gives us. Specifically, how we are to ask in order to get good things from God. And so then, if you are able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God this morning. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and, the one who, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And let's once more turn to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh God, as we come to Your Word today, we are encouraged to find that if we want good things, we have only to ask, to seek, to knock. Lord, I pray then that that you would cause us to be askers, seekers, knockers, people who are looking for the hope, the satisfaction that comes from you and you alone. Lord, I pray that if we have not been so bold as to ask you for the things that we need, that we would do so. And I pray, Lord, that as we consider your word, that you would help us to see how it is we are supposed to ask so that we do not ask wrongly. To spend it on our passions, as your word warns us not to do. But Lord, I can anticipate the hope that these verses contain. I can see spread out before us a great feast, a great table full of treasures that You have already prepared for us and planned to give us, and You tell us all we have to do is ask. So then, Lord, let us delight ourselves in You today 
Let us delight to ask. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we read through these incredible promises found in the Sermon on the Mount, there are at least four ways that we can see in these verses that Jesus instructs us how we should go about asking God for the good things that He is eager to give us. The first way we are to make our request to God is to ask appropriately. Ask appropriately. Now, this is revealed somewhat in our text. But it's more clearly revealed, I think, when you place this passage in the context of the sermon that it's located in, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, this is all part of one long sermon. right? We're taking it piece by piece, looking at what Jesus is actually saying. But when we place it in the context of that larger sermon... And in Jesus' own ministry, then we are able to see how it is that we are to ask appropriately. Now, you may recall, this is not the first time that Jesus has provided instructions on how we are to ask God for things, even in this very sermon. Right? This is like the, the 15th point in his sermon. And some of these other points have already given us instructions and information about how we are to ask Appropriately, this these verses don't come to us separated, taken out of context from the things that Jesus has already said. Just a short while before this, Jesus has already taught the crowds that were gathered how to pray. And in that prayer, he gives them examples of what it is that they should be asking for. They're to ask. We are to ask for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done, for our daily bread, for forgiveness of sins, to have help avoiding temptation. These are all appropriate things that we should ask for so that when we come to these verses here in chapter 7, we recall Jesus has already told us the type of things we should be asking for. And it's in that context that we find Jesus says, when you ask for these things, you can be certain that God will give them to you. So this is not a blank check to ask for whatever we may think is good to ask for. It's not disconnected, it's not disjointed from all that has come before. He's already told us earlier in chapter 6, when he tells us to not worry about the things that we need, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Right As, as Philip so aptly reminded us as we sang that song, seek ye first. Those are words that Jesus tells us that should inform how it is that we ask. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God, then our requests are going to be appropriate. If if that's what our priority is, if that's where our heart is, then the things that we ask for will be appropriate. And so we understand these verses in light of everything that's come before, in light of all that Jesus has already taught us. And here in these very verses, Jesus gives us examples to help us understand what it is to ask appropriately. He uses the example of a father providing for his son in order to show us how God operates toward us. And in these examples, what we see is that a son asks his father for things that are appropriate. A fish to eat, a loaf of bread to eat. Jesus doesn't give us an example of a son asking the father for a Ferrari or or perhaps a, a chariot with some thoroughbreds here in this context. The request from the Son is reasonable. And it's consistent with the very things that a loving Father 
would delight to provide for his son. Now, it's important to have this context because there are those ministers out there who will take these verses and they will tell you that these verses mean that if you ask for more dollars in your bank account, God has to give it to you. But just to be certain, you should send them some of the dollars in your bank account because that's going to show God that you really mean it. Right? If you ask God to be healed, God must heal you. It says so right here, those ministers will tell you. But is that what Jesus is actually saying? Again, we have to look at this in light of all the things that Jesus has already told us we should be asking for. The rest of Scripture clarifies the things that we should ask for and expect to receive from the Father. We actually have more clarification about these very verses in Luke's account of Jesus' teaching. There, Jesus is speaking to a much smaller crowd, his, his more close, intimate disciples. And here he's delivering the same message to them. Right, A good preacher will often repeat himself. And you'll hear themes that come up over and over again. Here Jesus is teaching his disciples in Luke chapter 11 something almost identical to what he says here. But there is one important difference. See if you can catch it. There in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. But what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now the difference here isn't the difference between an egg and a loaf of bread. Right? That, that's not what I'm wanting to draw our attention to. Jesus changes the examples, but ultimately the difference that we need to notice is here Jesus defines the good things that God wants to give us. And what is it? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you ask, the Father delights to give you the Holy Spirit. This is one of the good things that the Father delights to give His children. What better gift could we receive than God Himself coming to live within us, guiding us, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, peace, gentleness, joy, all those fruit that we talk about in Galatians. This is what Jesus is expecting that his followers will ask for and what God will graciously provide. Yet the problem is we often fall into two grave errors when it comes to verses like this. We see these verses and if I'm, if I'm honest, I think we as Baptists, we get a little uncomfortable. Right? We, we, we read Jesus tell us, ask and it will be given to you. And, and us Baptists, we're like, I don't know about all that. Right, that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. That seems like some of those prosperity folks, and we don't like that. Jesus says, no, ask, and it will be given to you. The problem is, we misinterpret that to think that it's ask for whatever you want. Ask for a bigger bank account. Ask for you know, greater health. Ask for a nicer car. All these things. We don't have to be afraid of the promises that Jesus makes to us. If Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you, then we should ask, and we should expect that it will be given to us. But we need to know what it is. 
what Jesus is telling us we need to be asking for. One more helpful scripture in this regard comes to us from the book of James. In James chapter 4, it's made abundantly clear how it is that people often go wrong in asking. There, James writes to us, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so here, James is clarifying for us how it is that we should be asking appropriately. He says, we do not have the things that we need because we don't ask for them. And he says, when we do dare to ask God for things, we ask wrongly because we're asking for things that we can spend on our passions, our desires. What James is saying is we're looking for something other than God Himself to satisfy that longing within us. We're looking for something apart from God, some worldly pleasure. And we have the audacity to ask God Himself to provide it for us. God, I want you to give me this thing that I want more than you. No wonder, James says, when we do this, we're making ourselves an enemy of God. We want the world's stuff more than we want God, but we want God to give it to us. It's like a husband asking his wife to drive him to the spearmint rhino. Right? It's, it's vile. It's an affront to all decent things. So we need to make sure that we're asking for the right things. Jesus tells us God delights to give us the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us that, that God will give grace to those who ask. Jesus tells us to ask for our daily bread. For God's kingdom to come. For God to be glorified through us. James tells us we should ask for wisdom. All of these things are good and right and appropriate things for us to ask for. They result in God's glory in our lives and in the world. And ultimately, what we will find is if we ask for these good things, they will result in our delight. And I know right now, because it's, it's true of me at least, if it's not true of anybody else in the room, I have trouble believing that. Because I think that the things that will make me happy are the things I can drive down the road and buy at Costco. Are the things that I can fill my home with. And I think if I just had this thing, if I just had a little bit more of this or that, if I just had the right food in my refrigerator, then I would be happy and satisfied and fulfilled. And God says, I want to give you so much more than that. We settle for the paltry pleasures of this world when God is offering us Himself. And we think we're getting the short end of the stick when Jesus says God delights to give us the Holy Spirit. We say, well, that's good, Jesus, but how about a little bit more money? We treat money like it's somehow greater than the Holy Spirit. It's foolish. We need to reorient our priorities. We need to retrain our hearts to delight in the very things that God wants to give us. 
But once we know that, once we do that, once we know what it is we need to ask for, then we can see here how Jesus instructs us to ask for those things. First, we should ask persistently. Ask persistently. We see in Matthew chapter 7 how Jesus uses different examples for asking God for something. He says, ask, seek, and knock. And then he repeats it. Whoever asks, whoever seeks, whoever knocks. In other words, do whatever it takes to get it. God has what we need. And so Jesus says, go to Him for it. Pray and pray and pray. Ask and ask and ask. We've already looked once at Luke chapter 11, but in Luke chapter 11, immediately after this, Jesus tells a parable about how God delights to give us what we need. And He tells in that parable the story of a man who has a visitor arrive late at night. And he goes and he knocks on his neighbor's door and he says, listen, I've had a friend come in from a far journey. Please give me some bread that I can feed this man. I don't have any bread on my own. And the neighbor tries to shoo him away. It's late. I'm sleeping. Leave me alone. But Jesus says that eventually if the man keeps knocking, that neighbor's going to get up and give him the bread just to get him to shut up and leave. To get him to go away. Jesus' point in that is that the Father is so much better than that friend. The friend will give you what you need if you're annoying enough. Right? If you won't leave them alone. But the Father will give you what you need because He delights to do so. Later in Luke 18, Jesus tells another parable with the same point. There He says in verse 7, And will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? As we keep coming to the Father over and over again, as we cry out to Him day and night, the Father will keep providing and providing. And so, do we want to see God move in our midst? Do we want to see God change lives? Do we want to see God save the souls of our children and our friends and our neighbors? Do we want to see God supply our needs? Do we want to see our church and our families flourishing? Do we want it enough to cry out to Him day and night? And so many people, they'll, they'll look at what new program can we start? What new thing can we do to accomplish the, the goals that we have? And Jesus says, just ask, seek, knock. You will find it will be open to you. We need to pray persistently. Keep coming to the Father. We are not annoying God. Again, God designed us to do this. God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. The implication being every day. He didn't say, oh, gotta go back down to Eden. No, He delighted to be with His people. It's what He created us for. He delights to meet our needs. So ask Him. Cry out to Him. Jesus Himself tells us, cry out to Him night and day. You're not imposing on God. You're not annoying God. You'd annoy your neighbor if you did that. Yeah, sure. We all have our limits, but God does not. God does not. He invites us. But even as we pray persistently, we also need to ask patiently. Ask patiently. 
You see, the Father delights to give us good things. But sometimes He doesn't give us those good things right away. Or even at all, whenever He knows that there's something better waiting for us and we need to wait for that better thing. Paul provides us a good example of this. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Now we don't know exactly what that thorn was. People have speculated, but we do know what Paul did about it. Paul says, three times I pleaded. It's a strong word. I pleaded. I went to the Lord day and night, Paul says, about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. These verses are so instructive for us because Paul has this bad circumstance, something he does not like, something that makes him uncomfortable and unhappy, zaps the joy from his life. And he says, I go before the Lord and I pleaded that God would take this away from me. And God said no. Why did God tell Paul no? Because God had something better for Paul. Yes, God could have removed the thorn. But God says, Paul, my grace in helping you endure that thorn is better than me removing it. Because in leaving that thorn, I'm going to give you power that enables you to persist even in the midst of that. And so we have to remember that God knows what we need better than we know what we need. Paul thought that he needed the thorn removed, but by the end of these verses, Paul says, I'm boasting in my weakness. I'm thankful for the thorn because in the thorn, the power of Christ rests upon me. God is giving me Himself. God is giving me His grace and His power. It is being perfected in my weakness. And so we need to pray patiently because God is God and we are not. And sometimes the thorns aren't removed. It may be that we are better off experiencing the grace of God helping us endure the thorn. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh preacher, says this of our thorns. He says, our Lord does not promise to change life for us. He does not promise to remove difficulties and trials and problems and tribulations. He does not say that he is going to cut out all the thorns and leave the roses with their wonderful perfume. No, he faces life realistically and tells us that these are things to which the flesh is heir and which are bound to come. But he assures us that we can so know him that whatever happens, we need never be frightened. We need never be alarmed. God will be there with us in the midst of the storm, in the midst of our thorns. And so perhaps some of you have prayed and you've asked God for things or asked God to remove certain things and God has said no or wait. Our faith needs to wait patiently on the Lord. We don't need to get frustrated because when God tells us no, it's because He's got something better for us. It's because He's going to give us more power, more grace to endure that difficulty. And sometimes we're just asking for the wrong things. I remember that when I was in eighth grade, I prayed that a certain little girl would be my girlfriend. And man, listen, 
You never heard an 8th grader pray more fervently and with tears and with heartfelt pleas to the Lord and promises? And I thank God today that His answer was no. At the time, I lacked the patience to understand. But now, like Garth Brooks says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Bet you didn't have a Garth Brooks quote and a Martin Lloyd-Jones quote on your bingo card for today's sermon. Sometimes we just need to trust that God knows what He's doing, even when we do not. And He's got something better for us waiting down the road. But finally this morning, even as we ask appropriately, persistently, and patiently, more than anything else, we need to ask expectantly. As I said to begin with, God delights to give us good gifts. But look here at the end of these verses. Jesus uses a touching example to drive this point home. He says, just as you fathers delight to give good gifts to your children, and when your children ask you for a fish, you don't give them a serpent. When they ask for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. When they ask for bread, don't give them something like a stone. You delight to give good gifts to your children. How many of you fathers, fathers, how many of you love to give good gifts to your children? You're allowed to raise your hand in church. I mean, we're not singing or anything, right? It's okay, yes, we delight to give good gifts to our children. I know some of you may be pranksters. Sometimes I like to to have a little fun when my children ask me for things. One of my favorite things to say when my kids say to me that they're hungry. I say, Dad, I'm hungry. I say, well, hi, hungry, I'm Tim. But after I have a good laugh at that, right, and, and they give me the eye roll, what do I do? I actually get them food. Right? I actually satisfy that hunger because I want to do that. I want to make my children happy. When they ask for food, I don't throw them a rattlesnake instead. Right? Jesus uses this example. It's somewhat silly to think about it. Dad, can I have a fish? Sure, here you go, poisonous snake. Jesus says, no, you don't do that. Sometimes when my kids tell me what they want to eat, I'll say, like a good father, no, I'm sorry, you can't have Oreos for breakfast. How about a banana instead? Because I know that they need something better than what they've asked for. I know that for their health, for the health of their bodies, they need something different. They may think they need the Oreos. I'm convinced they think they need the Oreos. But I know they need the banana or something else that's going to be good for them. And so Jesus says, if you fathers are capable of that, even though your hearts are evil, right? Jesus doesn't hold back. He says, you're evil. But you are still able to feed your children and give them good gifts and you delight to do that. How much more? How much more does God delight to give His children good gifts? God is so much better than us because He has perfect knowledge of what we need. And He delights to give it to us. Even more than we as earthly fathers and mothers delight to give our children good things. And so we can ask expectantly because we are confident in who God is and of His love for us. Paul asks us this question rhetorically in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also 
with him graciously give us all things. Paul is asking, he's challenging us to think here. He's, He's challenging us, how will God not give you all things? Look at what God has already done for you. You see, God has already given us Jesus. He sent Jesus to come to this earth clothed in flesh on a death mission. Jesus set aside all the glories of heaven. He set aside the beauty of angel choirs singing His praises from all eternity past. He set aside the unimaginable beauty and joy of being in the presence of the Father. Jesus had never known hunger. He'd never known thirst. He'd never known want or sadness. And He set all those things aside to become like us. To know and experience hunger and thirst and pain and sadness and temptation from Satan himself. He experienced those things to a greater degree than any man has ever experienced them. And he did so so that we could have good things. So that we could be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. He has already done that for us. How do we know that God will do good things for us? Because we see what He's already done. We see the price that He has already paid. There is no greater price that heaven could have paid than Jesus Christ. There is no greater worth that God could have given. There is no greater gift that God could provide us with in the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life with Him and inheritance to be enjoyed forever in heaven. So that's why Paul says, how will He not give us all good things? He's already given us more than we could ever possibly comprehend. He's already given the most that there is to give. So how will He not also continue to meet our needs? Everything else that God gives us from this point forward, it's just icing on the cake. He's already given us all things in Christ. And so do not think you're imposing on God. Do not think that you're being annoying when you ask for the same things over and over and over again. God says, no, come to me, ask, and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, it will be open to you. He is waiting on you To ask. And so today I challenge you to ask. Ask appropriately to be sure. Make sure that the things that you're asking for are in line with what Scripture actually says. If you need help figuring it out, I'll be happy to clarify things for you. We can look back at the Sermon on the Mount and see the very things that Jesus says. These are the things that we should be asking for. But once we know that we're asking for appropriate things in line with God's Word then we have absolute freedom to ask persistently, to cry out day and night. We have an obligation to ask patiently, trusting in faith that God knows better than we know. But we can also ask expectantly. When you go to the Lord asking for appropriate things, asking patiently, you should expect that God will hear your prayers and God will answer There's somebody here today that probably needs to ask for forgiveness for their sins for the very first time. The Bible says says to us that if we confess our sins to the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's a prayer that God will answer. 
to confess that you're a sinner in need of God's grace through salvation. God will answer that prayer. Perhaps you need to ask for wisdom for a particular situation. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Perhaps you need to ask for peace in the midst of a tumultuous situation. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus says God delights to give us the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you need to ask for greater godliness in your life. More fruit of the Spirit. More gentleness and patience and self-control. Perhaps you need to ask for your children to be saved. For your love for God to be rekindled as it's grown cold over the years. James tells us you do not have because you do not ask. And so today I challenge you. Do not be afraid. Come and ask. Let's pray. God, we come before you today thankful. Thankful for your promises. Thankful for your promises to hear us. As we ask to answer our prayers, to meet our needs, to supply all that we need. You have given us all that we need already in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would then give us boldness to ask today for the things that you've promised in your word. We know, Lord, that because you are good, because you are faithful, because you are true, because you cannot lie. So long as we are asking according to your will and according to your word, these are things that you will provide. God, grow in us the faith necessary to ask persistently, to ask patiently, and to ask expectantly. Lord, give us the wisdom to know how to ask appropriately. And as we do so, Lord, we ask that we would be delighted to find our deep and abiding satisfaction in you, even as you delight, O Lord, and are glorified to provide it. God, it is amazing to think of how much you love us, that you would give us these words. I pray that we would then put them into practice today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about today's sermon or would like more information about Boone's Creek Baptist Church, you can send us an email at boonscreekchurch at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 859-263-5466. You can also find us online at www.boonscreekchurch.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.